Part Five of Mopsa the Fairy by Jean Ingelow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Chapter Six: The Town with Nobody in It. Master, quoth the old hound, where will you go? Over moss, over muir, to court my new Joe. Master, though the night be murk, eyes follow through the snow. Caught her, master, caught her, so shall ye do weel. But and Ben she'll guide the house, eyes'll get milk and meal. Ye's'll get lilting while she sits with her rock and reel. For oh, she has a sweet tongue, an iron that look down, a gold girdle for her waist, and a purple gown. She has a good word for by, fra all the folk in the town. Soon after sunrise they came to a great city, and it was perfectly still. There were grand towers and terraces, wharves too, and a large market, but there was nobody anywhere to be seen. Jack thought that might be because it was so early in the morning, and when the boat ran itself up against a wooden wharf and stopped, he jumped ashore, for he thought this must be the end of his journey. A delightful town it was, if only there had been any people in it. The marketplace was full of stalls, on which were spread toys, baskets, fruit, butter, vegetables, and all the other things that are usually sold in a market. Jack walked about in it, then he looked in at the open doors of the houses, and at last, finding that they were all empty, he walked into one, looked at the rooms, examined the picture books, rang the bells, and set the musical boxes going. Then, after he had shouted a good deal, and tried in vain to make someone hear, he went back to the edge of the river where his boat was lying, and the water was so delightfully clear and calm that he thought he would bathe. So he took off his clothes, and folding them very carefully so as not to hurt the fairies, laid them down beside a haycock and went in, and ran about and paddled for a long time, much longer than there was any occasion for, but then he had nothing to do. When at last he had finished, he ran to the haycock and began to dress himself, but he could not find his stockings, and after looking about for some time he was obliged to put on his clothes without them, and he was going to put his boots on his bare feet, when, walking to the other side of the haycock, he saw a little old woman about as large as himself. She had a pair of spectacles on, and she was knitting. She looked so sweet-tempered that Jack asked her if she knew anything about his stockings. It will be time enough to ask for them when you have had your breakfast, said she. Sit down. Welcome to our town. How do you like it? I should like it very much indeed, said Jack, if there was anybody in it. I'm glad of that, said the woman. You've seen a good deal of it, but it pleases me to find that you are a very honest boy. You did not take anything at all. I am honest too. Yes, said Jack, of course you are. And as I am pleased with you for being honest, continued the little woman, I shall give you some breakfast out of my basket. So she took out a saucerful of honey, 
a roll of bread, and a cup of milk. Thank you, said Jack, but I am not a beggar boy. I have got a half crown, a shilling, a sixpence, and two pence, so I can buy this breakfast of you, if you like. You look very poor. Do I? said the little woman softly, and she went on knitting, and Jack began to eat the breakfast. I wonder what has become of my stockings, said Jack. You will never see them any more, said the old woman. I threw them into the river, and they floated away. Why did you? asked Jack. The little woman took no notice, but presently she had finished a beautiful pair of stockings, and she handed them to Jack and said, Is that like the pair you lost? Oh, no, said Jack. These are much more beautiful stockings than mine. Do you like them as well? asked the fairy woman. I like them much better, said Jack, putting them on. How clever you are! Would you like to wear these, said the woman, instead of yours? She gave Jack such a strange look when she said this, that he was afraid to take them, and answered, I shouldn't like to wear them if you think I had better not. Well, she answered, I am very honest, as I told you, and therefore I am obliged to say that if I were you, I would not wear those stockings on any account. Why not? said Jack, for she looked so sweet-tempered that he could not help trusting her. Why not? repeated the fairy. Why? Because when you have those stockings on, your feet belong to me. Oh, said Jack, well, if you think that matters, I'll take them off again. Do you think it matters? Yes, said the fairy woman, it matters, because I am a slave, and my master can make me do whatever he pleases, for I am completely in his power. So, if he found out that I had knitted those stockings for you, he would make me order you to walk into his mill, the mill which grinds the corn for the town, and there you would have to grind and grind till I got free again. When Jack heard this, he pulled off the beautiful stockings and laid them on the old woman's lap. Upon this she burst out crying, as if her heart would break. If my fairies that I have in my pocket would only wake, said Jack, I would fight your master, for if he is no bigger than you are, perhaps I could beat him and get you away. No, Jack, said the little woman, that would be of no use. The only thing you could do would be to buy me, for my cruel master has said that if ever I am late again, he shall sell me in the slave market to the brown people who work underground. And though I am dreadfully afraid of my master, I mean to be late today, in hopes, as you are kind, and as you have some money, that you will come to the slave market and buy me. Can you buy me, Jack, to be your slave? I don't want a slave, said Jack, and besides, I have hardly any money to buy you with. But it is real money, said the fairy woman. Not like what my master has. His money has to be made every week, for if there comes a hot day it cracks, so it never has time to look old, as your half-crown does, 
and that is how we know the real money for we cannot imitate anything that is old oh now now it is twelve o'clock now i am late again and though i said i would do it i am so frightened so saying the little woman ran off towards the town wringing her hands and jack ran beside her how am i to find your master he said oh jack buy me buy me cried the fairy woman you will find me in the slave market bid high for me go back and put your boots on and bid high now jack had nothing on his feet so he left the poor little woman to run into the town by herself and went back to put his boots on they were very uncomfortable as he had no stockings but he did not much mind that and he counted his money there was the half-crown that his grandmamma had given him on his birthday there was a shilling a sixpence and two pence besides a silver fourpenny piece which he had forgotten he then marched into the town and now it was quite full of people all of them little men and women about his own height they thought he was somebody of consequence and they called out to him to buy their goods and he bought some stockings and said what i want to buy now is a slave so they showed him the way to the slave market and there whole rows of odd-looking little people were sitting while in front of them stood the slaves now jack had observed as he came along how very disrespectful the dogs of that town were to the people they had a habit of going up to them and smelling at their legs and even gnawing their feet as they sat before the little tables selling their wares and what made this more surprising was that the people did not always seem to find out when they were being gnawed but the moment the dogs saw jack they came and fawned on him and two old hounds followed him all the way to the slave market and when he took a seat one of them laid down at his feet and said master set your handsome feet on my back that they may be out of the dust don't be afraid of him said the other hound he won't gnaw your feet he knows well enough that they are real ones are the other people's feet not real asked jack of course not said the hound they had a feud long ago with the fairies and they all went one night into a great cornfield which belonged to these enemies of theirs intending to steal the corn so they made themselves invisible as they are always obliged to do till twelve o'clock at noon but before morning dawn the wheat being quite ripe down came the fairies with their sickles surrounded the field and cut the corn so all their legs of course got cut off with it for when they are invisible they cannot stir ever since that they have been obliged to make their legs of wood while the hound was telling this story jack looked about but he did not see one slave who was in the least like his poor little friend and he was beginning to be afraid that he should not find her when he heard two people talking together good day said one so you have sold that good-for-nothing slave of yours yes answered the very cross-looking old man she was late again this morning and came to me crying and praying to be forgiven but i was determined to make an example of her 
so I sold her at once to clink of the hole, and he has just driven her away to work in his mine. Jack, on hearing this, whispered to the hound at his feet, If you will guide me to clink's hole, you shall be my dog. Master, I will do my best, answered the hound, and he stole softly out of the market, Jack following him. Chapter 7 Half a Crown So useful it is to have money, hey-ho, so useful it is to have money. A. H. Clough The old hound went straight through the town, smelling Clink's footsteps, till he came to a large field of barley, and there, sitting against a sheaf, for it was harvest time, they found Clink of the Hole. He was a very ugly little brown man, and he was smoking a pipe in the shade, while crouched near him was the poor little woman with her hands spread before her face. "'Good day, sir,' said Clink to Jack. "'You are a stranger here, no doubt.' yes said jack i only arrived this morning have you seen the town asked clink civilly there is a very fine market yes i have seen the market answered jack i went in to buy a slave but i did not see one that i liked ah said clink and yet they had some very fine articles here he pointed to the poor little woman and said now that's a useful body enough and I had her very cheap. What did you give for her? asked Jack, sitting down. Three pitchers, said Clink, and fifteen cups and saucers, and two shillings in the money of the town. Is there money like this? said Jack, taking out his shilling. When Clink saw the shilling, he changed colour, and said very earnestly, Where did you get that, dear sir? oh it was given me said jack carelessly clink looked hard at the shilling and so did the fairy woman and jack let them look some time for he amused himself with throwing it up several times and catching it at last he put it back in his pocket and then clink heaved a deep sigh then jack took out a penny and began to toss that up upon which to his great surprise the little brown man fell on his knees and said oh a shilling and a penny a shilling and a penny of mortal coin what would i not give for a shilling and a penny i don't believe you have got anything to give said jack cunningly i see nothing but that ring on your finger and the old woman but i have a great many things at home sir said the brown man wiping his eyes and besides that ring would be cheap at a shilling even a shilling of mortal coin would the slave be cheap at a penny said jack would you give a penny for her dear sir inquired clink trembling with eagerness she is honest answered jack ask her whether i had better buy her with this penny it does not matter what she says replied the brown man i would sell twenty such as she is for a penny a real one ask her repeated jack and the poor little woman wept bitterly but she said no why not asked jack but she only hung down her head and cried 
I'll make you suffer for this, said the brown man. But when Jack took out the shilling and said, Shall I buy you with this, slave? His eyes actually shot out sparks, he was so eager. Speak, he said to the fairy woman, and if you don't say yes, I'll strike you. He cannot buy me with that, answered the fairy woman, unless it is the most valuable coin he has got. The brown man, on hearing this, rose up in a rage, and was just going to strike her a terrible blow, when Jack cried out, Stop! and took out his half-crown. "'Can I buy you with this?' said he. And the fairy woman answered, "'Yes.' Upon this Clink drew a long breath, and his eyes grew bigger and bigger as he gazed at the half-crown. "'Shall she be my slave for ever, and not yours?' said Jack, "'if I give you this.' "'She shall.' said the brown man, and he made such a low bow as he took the money that his head actually knocked the ground. Then he jumped up, and, as if he was afraid Jack would repent of his bargain, he ran off towards the hole in the hill with all his might, shouting for joy as he went. Slave, said Jack, that is a very ragged old apron that you have got, and your gown is quite worn out. Don't you think we had better spend my shilling in buying you some new clothes? You look so very shabby. Do I? said the fairy woman gently. Well, master, you will do as you please. But you know better than I do, said Jack, though you are my slave. You had better give me the shilling then, answered the little old woman, and then I advise you to go back to the boat and wait there till I come. What, said Jack, can you go all the way back into the town again? I think you must be tired, for you know you are so very old. The fairy woman laughed when Jack said this, and she had such a sweet laugh that he loved to hear it. But she took the shilling and trudged off to the town, and he went back to the boat, his hound running after him. He was a long time going for he ran a good many times after butterflies, and then he climbed up several trees, and altogether he amused himself for such a long while that when he reached the boat his fairy woman was there before him. So he stepped on board, the hound followed, and the boat immediately began to swim on. "'Why, you have not bought any new clothes,' said Jack to his slave. "'No, master,' answered the fairy woman, but I have bought what I wanted. And she took out of her pocket a little tiny piece of purple ribbon with a gold-coloured satin edge and a very small tortoiseshell comb. When Jack saw these he was vexed and said, What do you mean by being so silly? I can't scold you properly because I don't know what name to call you by and I don't like to say slave because that sounds so rude. Why, this bit of ribbon is such a little bit that it's of no use at all. It's not large enough even to make one mitten of. Isn't it? said the slave. Just take hold of it, master, and let us see if it will stretch. So Jack did, and she pulled, and he pulled, 
and very soon the silk had stretched till it was nearly as large as a handkerchief and then she shook it and they pulled again this is very good fun said jack why now it's as large as an apron so she shook it again and gave it a twitch here and a pat there and then they pulled again and the silk suddenly stretched so wide that jack was very nearly falling overboard so jack's slave pulled off her ragged gown and apron and put it on it was a most beautiful robe of purple silk it had a gold border and it just fitted her that will do she said and then she took out the little tortoiseshell comb pulled off her cap and threw it into the river she had a little knot of soft grey hair and she let it down and began to comb and as she combed the hair got much longer and thicker till it fell in waves all about her throat then she combed again and it all turned gold colour and came tumbling down to her waist and then she stood up in the boat and combed once more and shook out the hair and there was such a quantity that it reached down to her feet and she was so covered with it that you could not see one bit of her excepting her eyes which peeped out and looked bright and full of tears then she began to gather up her lovely locks and when she had dried her eyes with them she said master do you know what you have done look at me now so she threw back the hair from her face and it was a beautiful young face and she looked so happy that jack was glad he had bought her with his half-crown so glad that he could not help crying and the fair slave cried too and then instantly the little fairies woke and sprang out of jack's pockets as they did so jovinian cried out madam i am your most humble servant and roxaletta said i hope your grace is well but the third got on jack's knee and took hold of the buttons of his waistcoat and when the lovely slave looked at her she hid her face and blushed with pretty childish shyness these are fairies said jack's slave but what are you jack kissed me said the little thing and i want to sit on his knee yes said jack i took them out and laid them in a row to see if they were safe and this one i kissed because she looked such a little dear was she not like the others then asked the slave yes said jack but i liked her the best she was my favourite now the instant these three fairies sprang out of jack's pockets they got very much larger in fact they became fully grown that is to say they measured exactly one foot one inch in height which as most people know is exactly the proper height for fairies of that tribe the two who had sprung out first were very beautifully dressed one had a green velvet coat and a sword the hilt of which was encrusted with diamonds the second had a white spangled robe and the loveliest rubies and emeralds round her neck and in her hair but the third the one who sat on jack's knee had a white frock and a blue sash on she had soft fat arms and a face just like that of a sweet little child when jack's slave saw this 
she took the little creature on her knee and said to her how comes it that you are not like your companions and she answered in a pretty lisping voice it's because jack kissed me even so it must be answered the slave the love of a mortal works changes indeed it is not often that we win anything so precious here master let her sit on your knee sometimes and take care of her for she cannot now take the same care of herself that others of her race are capable of so jack let little mopsa sit on his knee and when he was tired of admiring his slave and wondering at the respect with which the other two fairies treated her and at their cleverness in getting water-lilies for her and fanning her with feathers he curled himself up in the bottom of the boat with his own little favourite and taught her how to play at cat's cradle when they had been playing some time and mopsa was getting quite clever at the game the lovely slave said master it is a long time since you spoke to me and yet said jack there is something that i particularly wanted to ask you about ask it then she replied i don't like to have a slave answered jack and as you are so clever don't you think you can find out how to be free again i am very glad you asked me about that said the fairy woman yes master i wish very much to be free and as you were so kind as to give the most valuable piece of real money you possessed in order to buy me i can be free if you can think of anything that you really like better than that half-crown and if i can give it you oh there are many things said jack i like going up this river to fairyland much better but you are going there master said the fairy woman you were on the way before i met with you i like this little child better said jack i love this little mopsa i should like her to belong to me she is yours answered the fairy woman she belongs to you already think of something else jack thought again and was so long about it that at last the beautiful slave said to him master do you see those purple mountains jack turned round in the boat and saw a splendid range of purple mountains going up and up they were very great and steep each had a crown of snow and the sky was very red behind them for the sun was going down at the other side of those mountains is fairyland said the slave but if you cannot think of something that you should like better to have than your half-crown i can never enter in the river flows straight up to yonder steep precipice and there is a chasm in it which pierces it and through which the river runs down beneath among the very roots of the mountain till it comes out at the other side thousands and thousands of the small people will come when they see the boat each with a silken thread in his hand but if there is a slave in it not all their strength and skill can tow it through look at those rafts on the river on them are the small people coming up jack looked and saw that the river was spotted with rafts on which were crowded brown fairy sailors each one with three green stripes on his sleeve 
which looked like good conduct marks all these sailors were chattering very fast and the rafts were coming down to meet the boat all these sailors to tow my slave said jack i wonder i do wonder what you are but the fairy woman only smiled and jack went on i have thought of something that i should like very much better than my half-crown i should like to have a little tiny bit of that purple gown of yours with the gold border then the fairy woman said i thank you master now i can be free so she told jack to lend her his knife and with it she cut off a very small piece of the skirt of her robe and gave it to him now mind she said i advise you never to stretch this unless you want to make some particular thing of it for then it will only stretch to the right size but if you merely begin to pull it for your own amusement it will go on stretching and stretching and i don't know where it will stop end of part five